All right, guys, what is going on today? We have a very special guest. We're going to have registered dietitian Andy Era on the podcast again, and he is the head of Friendship Nutrition, our nutrition program, and he is the person that I trust the most with all things pertaining to nutrition in my life. You know, and that's a testament. Like I work him with Maria's worked with him, and I trust my mom working with him throughout all of her uh, health issues. We talk a lot about many different things uh, from, you know, wide range tactical things that are going to help you guys with nutrition right now to, you know, more mindset management and how you guys should be thinking about nutrition to propaganda and documentaries and all the crap that's thrown at you every day. And I think that this podcast came out with a ton of nuggets of information, tactile and, you know, more long, big term, big picture focused that you guys will get a ton of value out of. On top of that, Andy is going to be running his first real challenge that's going to be kind of his baby. It's the wellness lifestyle challenge. And, you know, he's kind of thought up of all the things from all of his years of experience on what people really need to have success with their habit change as it pertains both to lifestyle management, but also nutrition management. And that's going to be running throughout September and into October for us. He's going to do a seminar on September 1st that is open to the public. So if you guys listen and you are not actively a current client of friendship, that is fine. No problem come. It's free. You'll get a lot of information. You'll get to meet Andy. You'll get to kind of see what he's talking about. And if you guys think that it's going to help you take those first couple of steps, you know, be the product of change in your life. You need some accountability. You need a kick in the butt. We talk about all that kind of stuff in here. Why a coach is important, why it's something that is going to be the only thing at a certain level that you can do to elevate your success. And the thing that I always tell about this is there's not a player in the NFL who can't tell you that there was one coach throughout their life that was integral to their success. Nobody makes it to the NFL without receiving top tier coaching at some point in their life. And I think that that's one of those things that we kind of think about this. If we want to elevate, if we want to graduate, if we want to be achieving excellence in our health and well-being, then at some time we should have a sit down conversation with a true professional about what decisions we're making in our life. And I think there's all sorts of different facets of that. Obviously, I believe that I'm a great person to talk to in terms of the mental approach and the actual X's and O's and tactile stuff with exercise. And I would say that Andy is the counterpart for me in terms of nutrition stuff. Now, what we see a lot of times is people maybe aren't ready to start nutrition coaching yet. Just the same as somebody might not be ready to go and play for Nick Saban if they're in middle school. Like there is a maturation process to this that we need to sort of be prepared for. And we talk about all of these different types of things. When is it right for you? When is it ready for you? And how he sort of tailors his approach to try to get to people at their place that they're coming in at. The biggest thing, guys, with nutrition, and the last thing I'll say before we get to Andy, is you have to buy in. Whoever you work with, whatever you follow, your success is going to be dictated by how much you buy in. I hope you guys enjoy this. Let me know what you think. Nice. 
Nice. Good intro. That's going to be live on there. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, guys. What, what is going on? Uh, I am here with Coach Andrew, registered dietitian. We just had a long, lengthy, nice political debate about registered dietitians and all the hullabaloo that's going on with CrossFit and everything, which we might get into later. I think that's kind of a fun conversation for people. But we are here, and the big reason why we are here and what we're going to be focused on talking about today is the next tier up part two of the friendship pyramid, which is nutrition. And so I always want to bring on people who are way smarter than me as it pertains to nutrition. And for me, that is Andrew. So when we start looking at the pyramid, guys, the big thing we're going to be focusing on are kind of these subparts. But first, I like to kind of generally think about why, if we think about mental as being the base of the pyramid, why do you think nutrition would be the second most important thing as we start talking about potential upward trajectory of somebody's health and athletic career? I think it just is in part with like the analogy of the pyramid creating that strong foundation is you can easily get ahead of yourself with focusing on things that happen on the higher tier just as the pyramid outlies. Um, but it's just a, a very simple way of things that are immediately within your control. I think to start to look at refining, start to look at um, not only why bringing it into the whole reason why we're focusing on health and wellness to begin with is at the end of the day, longevity. And there's, I think nothing better you can do than just to feed your body appropriately for that. Um, so it just kind of makes sense. Except that for right having spot. really good mental health, right? Cause <laughs> of that's the base of the pyramid. That's the base. Duh. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's cool. I mean, I think, um, to speak back to you and Grant putting this together, I, I think it's beautifully uh, put together just in terms of, you know, you have to be mentally prepared to take on the task ahead of you. Uh, and then it's just, let's think of the first immediate thing you can do to feel better. Um, you know, fitness obviously does that over time, but you know, nutrition can make you feel great today. Um, right. So I think it's, perfect to have second. I would prefer it to be first just from a nutrition perspective. <laughs> but you're uh, a no, pretty big great. mental guy too. I yeah. know. And I think a big part of, you know, we talk a lot with the nutrition team about how such a, a huge part of being a nutrition coach is really psychological mm -hmm. and making sure that you hear the struggles of people's everyday lives and the preconceived notions they're coming in with, what they grew up eating, what society has told them to eat, and all these other kind of things that play into a challenging mental picture mm -hmm. for people to kind of navigate. And so I think you have a lot of different roles. And that's sort of when we talk about the subcategories, a lot of those roles kind of come into play here. But why don't we just talk real quick? Because we talked about mental a little bit last week. And we talked about state and, you know, being present aware and having that self-awareness is so key. Uh, what do you think from a mental perspective as we kind of make that transition from, you know, okay, we feel like we're in a good mental state. We're going to start taking on some nutrition stuff. What do you think is the biggest challenge that most people face with that initial, you know, mental stage of jumping into nutrition? I think a lot of people perceive that it's going to take a lot of work. Um, it's a very large undertaking, I, I believe, for most people. Um, and I think my role in that case is to kind of help show them that it doesn't have to be so scary. Um, so it, with anything with change, it's just taking that first step. Um, so talking, talking to them uh, and talking with them through that is, is huge. And it's just, it's a scary thing. You know, you're going to be 
taking a 180 a lot of the times on a lot of your your habits and uh, things that you enjoy, things that are linked to emotion and family love and uh, positive experiences. So I think some of that can be scary for people um, beyond just the, the the big hill that they have to climb to get to where they want to be uh, and then connect those two dots on what how much work is actually required for that. Um, so I always try and you know, go out of my way to commend people on taking that on yeah. because I can definitely, with all of the, the clients and the, the individuals I've coached over time, it, it's a huge undertaking and I totally understand that. So I always start with at least some gratitude uh, to be a part of the journey, but then also just you know, commending them on taking it on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's taking the hard path, right. And yeah. when a lot of times like, you know, fast food, junk food, you know, having that instant gratification of sugar, a lot of those things that is the, I mean, unfortunately now we have to say that is the normal, easy path for, you know, most Americans that are coming in and breaking that habit takes action and work. And, you know, it's a lot of times it's, it's less, pleasurable, right? I mean, it is more pleasurable to eat Oreos than it is to eat broccoli, right? And so I think making that decision, but I know you're big on, you know, the obstacle is the way and making sure that like we are taking on adequate amount of challenges at any given time so that we can continue to flex that challenge muscle Mm -hmm. and, you know, feel comfortable trying new things and doing new things. And uh, I think that's been one of the big reasons that you're successful you know, as a nutrition coach. Um, but you know, one of the things that I think is, is challenging for you is when people say, Hey, I want to get into nutrition coaching, but they're maybe not actually ready for that challenge. So walk me through a little bit of like, you know, what you think is when people say, you know, Hey, I'm ready. Like I want to make that nutrition challenge. Like, and I want to start making some changes in my habits. Walk me through a little bit about what you think is actually needing to like, what do they need to be saying? What do they, where do they actually need to be to make that jump? Is it to be successful? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I love to hear people's stories. So I always kind of say, let's, let's bring it back to the beginning. Where are we at with this whole thing? Um, a lot, I think more often than not, we get people that probably are a little ahead of themselves with that being ready to jump into nutrition, but maybe not mentally or physically there. Um, so knowing where they are in their journey in what are they currently trying? Where are their beliefs right now? What is their lifestyle like outside of the gym? A lot of that comes into play in terms of just total success, um, mainly with just taking on too much all at once. So uh, I'll definitely talk through people on that, but then I'll usually follow that up with, uh, and I try to do my very best to just kind of listen for minute details and what they're saying and kind of, you know, maybe how they're describing something as healthy um, or how they are remembering themselves from previous healthful time on like how they viewed themselves, um, what was strong to them at that time. and kind of get an, another layer peeled back to see if I can find a why beyond just like, yeah, I want to be five pounds lighter or 10 pounds lighter. Yeah, so does everyone. But what does that do for you beyond just being five to 10 pounds lighter? Right. Um, and we talked a little bit in the coaches meeting about that one example, like if a woman were or a man were to say, I just I want to lose weight so my child can hug me. That is so much more powerful than just like I want 
to look better. Right. Um, so I try and find that why for most people. And, and usually um, it takes a little bit of digging, but I think at that point, once they say it out loud, I'll even stop myself at times and say, it's pretty cool to say that out loud, isn't it? Right. And I think that helps bring the reality to play with them. Yeah, I think it's huge. And just like you said, it, it allows you to get on the same page as the coach and as you know, the guiding light for them to understand whether they're actually ready or not, because if it is just the transparent goal and I wrote down uh, an analogy, I was watching hard knocks with my nephew, you know, the other the week. new season. Uh huh. Nice. And, and he's watching it at first. He's kind of soaking it. In. He's not saying much and he's really into football right now. And he's watching and then he starts watching Derek Carr and John Gruden. And, um, and he goes, uncle, you think I could ever be an NFL quarterback? That's and like, I paused and I was like, I was like, well, I was like, why do you want to be an NFL quarterback? You know, like, what is it about watching this? And he just goes, I just think it's cool that, you know, these guys are able to just play football all day. And that's what they're able to do. And I was like, well, I was like, that's a pretty good reason. I mean, playing for the love of the game, like, I think it's, that's pretty good why, right? Um, I was like, but you understand that, like, you know, what you're watching here is like these, these quarterbacks to make in the NFL, like you would have to go outside right now. And there's like 10 o'clock on a Friday. Like you'd have to go outside right now in the dark and go and work on your footwork and go and work on your throwing mechanics. You're not just throwing it with your dad or your friends. You're not just chucking balls. You're working on bringing it tight to your ear and having a nice tight, like on a line loop. And you're doing it with good footwork every time. And I was like, does that sound fun or boring? He goes, that sounds really boring. And I'm like, right now it's 10 o'clock on a Friday and Drew Brees is probably watching film and Russell Wilson's probably working on footwork. For sure. And I go, you would have to want to go outside right now and do those things. Now, how do you feel about these guys just getting mm. to play football time? And he goes, yeah. And you can tell, like, he didn't really say anything. He just, like, internalized it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of that same thing when you start thinking about this, like, Okay, so, you know, if we're talking about five pounds or 10 right. pounds and we don't actually have anything, we just want that end result. Like we just want to be in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Right. But we're not understanding the unsexy nature of what it's maybe going to take to get you there. Like we need to know if it is really, truly just that transparent or is there actually something that's worth it for you? Like there are definitely people where it's like, I have the best job in the world. I get to play football every day. Mm -hmm. Like I get to throw a football to my friends. And I, I love it. And I love football. Like you watch John Gruden, he just loves football. Like he would do it for free. He doesn't share. And I think that's kind of how you are with like nutrition. Like you love coaching and helping people with nutrition, mm -hmm. but they have to be in that setting to understand like why they want to achieve the thing they want to achieve mm -hmm. because just on transparent level, you get almost no buy-in. Right. Typically mm -hmm. it's like the, it's just talkers. It's like, yeah, I want to be an NFL mm -hmm. quarterback. And you're like, really? Like you fuck around all day. <laughs> like you don't, you don't, you go to practice and you're just slinging Hail Marys and throwing the ball behind your back and yeah. messing around. You're not actually working on the things that the coach is telling you to work on. For sure. You're not actually dialing in your fundamentals mm -hmm. like a psychopath yeah. on like Friday night at 10 while everybody else is out in high school. You're like drilling footwork all night, watching film, like doing these things. Like right. that's what it takes. Absolutely. And when you start to break that down, like 90% of people are just like, oh, well, that's not worth it. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so then you you don't actually want to be in the NFL because yep. that's what actually being in the NFL is. Um, 
that's and a great analogy. And that's the same thing. I tell people all the time, like, you'll, we'll, we'll hear all these women be like, like, look at Maria and be like, oh, I love your body. Like, I just want to look like you. And like, I'm like, okay, like, do you? Because this is what it takes. It's right. like 10 years of, of working out and eating really, really clean, being super disciplined with sleep and like, you know, not going out and not drinking, not doing a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you actually want to do that? And they'll be like, well, no, like I like having margaritas. I like going out. I like going on vacation. I like eating burgers. I like eating this. I like, you know, I'm like, okay, so you don't actually want to look like Maria. And it's like, you don't, you don't actually want to look like that yeah. because that's what it takes to look like that. Yeah. Um, I think you can, <clears throat> excuse me. I think you can make that analogy for almost anything, mm-hmm. like literally everything. And, um, I think that's really where that whole, mental piece comes into play and I think that's why I really enjoy reading some stuff about stoicism and personal development and betterment because I think for me it helps kind of create those links and reassure that the way that I'm coaching people and talking to them about these things a it helps me frame it multiple different ways so I can try and get the message across um, but then b it helps me in my own practice where I can say uh, this is not always supposed to be easy it takes the work done behind closed doors very similar to like someone's character. And I think you can kind of create that full circle um, example with someone and and start to almost predict if they're going to be successful or not based off of other things that we'll kind of get to in like a lifestyle assessment sort of a situation. Right. Um, So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's for me at that point, it just becomes like identifying those pieces and seeing how far they're willing to go with some of these things while working to kind of meet them where they are. Right. So it's definitely a kind of a back and forth with that. It's like the X's and O's of it. It's like, I tell people all the time with exercises, like, like, the information that you need to be giving out, like that's so readily available for you all the time. That's not the challenging aspect of it. Mm -hmm. The challenging aspect of it is, you know, getting people to buy in and getting that, getting that belief and that effort and, you know, making some of those hard decisions. So, you know, you from a professional development standpoint becomes mostly habit change reading. Yeah. Atomic, obviously psychological training and some of these different things Mm -hmm. to try to help people be able to verbalize their own true wants and desires and helping them understand that like that is within their control Mm -hmm. and that, it's, you know, one foot in front of the other and we're not going to try to take a thousand steps this month. We're just going to try to take 10 and, um, and that ends up being sort of nutrition coaching, I think way more than, you know, the stuff that people want to ask you about where it's like, well, what about keto and what about intermittent fasting? What about this? And it's like, dude, you're talking about nuts and bolts. You're talking about X's and O's. Right. And at the end of the day, like this is way more of a psychological pursuit. We can totally talk about that. If you're somebody like a Clark, we're like, dude is as dialed in psychologically as somebody can be oh, as yeah. it pertains to like health and nutrition stuff, mm-hmm. then sure. Let's, we can dive deeper into the X's and O's. That's where it's fun. Cause we can experiment a little bit. Right. Um, same thing. Like talk to Doug Ruff this past weekend yep. who, uh, you know, RIP in a way where he's no longer with us here at friendship, mm-hmm. but, uh, kind of doing his thing out in Maryland. And again, very similar to Clark in that mentality. And I'll often talk to both of them about how they both remind me of each other where they're just both so dialed in. Like I can, without a doubt, go to sleep 
with complete ease, knowing Doug is doing everything I'm telling him to do, right. which is awesome from a coaching perspective and uh, appreciate that um, trust in, from him. But, um, you know, now we're starting to experiment with different things to help. Like, how can we push the needle harder now right. that he's so dialed in with certain things um, and just willing to kind of go with, with that. But to kind of speak to that, I just find like there's just so many little things that people lose sight of. It's always like great change requires great sacrifice or um, a ton of work when in reality it really doesn't. Um, And I was reflecting back on what do I feel like I'm talking to most people about? And a lot of times it's just like timing of like meals and snacks so that they're not starving when they get home from work or like have no energy when they come in to work out. Um, So that, and then just helping people understand like, this is a part of your identity now. Like so many times people are just like, I'm not that type of person that does this or like they're just so new to the working out lifestyle that yeah. they're just like, I can only do three days a week. I can't do four days a week. Yeah. I'm and a pizza just, and beer person. Yeah. And you're just like, well, yeah, you know, you enjoy it, but that doesn't define you. Right. Exactly. Uh, and that's, and I think for me, that's the exciting part is when we can get someone to say like, yeah, I, I go to CrossFit four to five days a week and right. you know, I'm looking at, my nutrients and what I'm putting into my body and feeling it well. And I'm saying no to alcohol now. And all Did Angela Wang tell you that the other day? No. Somebody, is she supposed to? I think she said her doctor, somebody came up to her and goes, goes, you must be a CrossFitter. You look like a CrossFitter. That's and awesome. She just like, she was probably so yeah. like, I do. Hell yeah. You go get it. Wang. Awesome. So she was like super juiced about it. Well, I mean, Hey, speaking to her mentality, she was in with a boot doing all that. Right. Extra. I mean, so yeah, I, that's oh, yeah. someone who identifies with the brand. This is my lifestyle and right. kind of owns that, which right. I think is awesome. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. So we, you know, looking back to the subcategories of the pyramid now, we actually have, you know, accountability is listed under this. And I think that's, you know, that's what it is. It's, <clears throat> you know, what is our buy-in and what do we associate with? And then who are we accountable to? And, you know, the number one person you have to be accountable to is yourself. And I think one of the biggest things that frustrates me sometimes, and this is true for exercise and nutrition, is how quickly people pass off accountability to a spouse mm-hmm. or to work or a lifestyle situation or X and Y and Z. Yeah. When at the end of the day, you know, your accountability, like this is this is your pursuit, and you are first and foremost, always throughout the rest of your life, you're accountable to yourself first. And this is kind of what we're talking about is if you're not bought in like to you, what are you bought into? Mm. That's always for me. It's like, we talk about mental training, we talk about nutrition. It's like, you know, you're just treating yourself the right way and you need to be accountable to, you know, being the person who cares about themselves in that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, tell me a little bit about what you think about just successful strategies for people with accountability, how they maybe how, uh, you know, if you've seen any successful strategies with people who are battling a spouse who maybe isn't on board with eating healthy with them yet. Um, you know, what do you get, what do you do for something like that? Have you found anything that, uh, you know, helps people hold themselves accountable? I know, you know, we use tracking, we use communication with a coach, but that's sort of being accountable to a coach. Correct. Um, but I think that that self accountability structure, I think is challenging for people. Uh, I think that's, I think that's the ongoing battle is how do you internally motivate someone to stay accountable to themselves? And it doesn't stop at nutrition. I think it, we see it for people coming in the door and right. just putting into play healthy lifestyle factors. Um, 
So I'm trying to think of like different scenarios where I would see accountability as an issue. Um, and I think one end of that accountability to a coach is great. Uh, I think a lot of people come to us for that. Um, but when it comes down to personal accountability, I think it's just a lot of people need the push to be confident in themselves in that sense. We're again, kind of getting back to that recognition of identity. Um, so a lot of times some people just need some more handholding. And I think you just have to have the reps underneath your belt as a coach to understand when that's needed because some people need that constant, like you're doing great. And like, let's recognize the small victories. Um, Don't let the negatives that have happened over the past day affect your whole week. Um, So hoping to kind of build a hedge on those things so that, over time, they become a little bit more bought into the process and what they're doing. And then it starts to snowball a little bit and you right. become accountable to your actions where then next thing you know, you're texting me and like, oh, I, you know, I messed up here. I didn't do this right. Or um, I am doing it right here. Check this out, which is a little bit more fun to celebrate. Right. Um, so I think it's uh, where really, like you had mentioned, a lot of my continuing education is going into to help people to motivate for that self-accountability because that's just, I can encourage you all day and say, you you know, you should really be doing this and this is what we talked about. You promised me you would do this, but until you kind of believe in yourself to do that and are bought into that whole process, it's kind of sometimes falls on deaf ears. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, the, I love when we start to have people who have kids in the kids program and the kids start to hold the parents accountable and we start to see that. I think that's a huge one. I think spouses holding each other accountable. Like, um, you know, I got into Maria a little bit last night about, you know, just holding her accountable to some things, um, you know, from a personal development structure that, that, you know, we had both agreed that we are better people when we're actively working personal development, just like people ebb and flow with nutrition. Mm -hmm. She's just ebbing and flowing with some personal development stuff. So it's like, look, we've got to that this has to remain a habit, right? Because we start focusing on the wrong things when we're not, you know, filled with gratitude. We got an attitude, right? Boom. Nailed it. Um, (laughs) Didn't I say that one time? That was me, I think. (laughs) But I think, you know, when, when you look at that stuff, I think there's all little tips, tricks, hacks, you know, I see people, they'll put, um, you know, we, we say a lot, you know, I'm the type of person who Mm -hmm. I'm the type of person. And so I love those statements. I love saying that kind of stuff out loud and I love saying it to other people too, so that they can help hold me accountable as well. But saying something, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the type of person or I'm not the type of person. I'm not the type of person who, you know, goes out and gets super drunk on weekends. Right. Like I don't get drunk anymore, mm-hmm. especially not in public. Yeah. Right. And just being able to say those statements, Sam, to other people, I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have other people who we trust to hold us accountable, again, you're holding yourself accountable, you know, make that the backdrop on your phone, like, you know, print out a little flyer and put it on your desk, you know, make it the backdrop on your computer, you know, put it up in your mirror, you know, put it on your fridge, yeah. like these things, like, you know, I'm, you know, when you're going to the grocery or, or, you know, doing Instacart, it's like you have these things, you know, I am not the type of person who goes to the grocery hungry mm-hmm. and buys junk food. Right. You know, I'm the type of person who has a very specific grocery list mm-hmm. that's healthy and I follow the grocery list. I don't buy extra things. Yeah. And having those accountability statements, 
you know, peppered around whatever's going to be guiding you to success the most, whatever your issue is. You know, I'm not the type of person who late night snacks. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who eats low glycemic vegetables all throughout dinner yeah. and does is full by the sure. time I go to bed. Um, having those statements, I'm the type of person who, or I am not the type of person who I don't want to be associated with that type of person being able to say those statements, mm-hmm. I think help guide you. And that to me is actually the most powerful self-talk that I have. Sure. I am, I am not the type of person who does this, mm-hmm. right? Like, and there's a lot of situations that you find yourself in life where you like, where I could have, I could order another, you know, double IPA, mm-hmm. but then I would be drunk. Right. <laughs> and I am <laughs> not, not the type person. of person who does that. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, having some of those statements clarified. Yeah. And I think that's where a coach can help because a coach can tell you, I think this, you know, this is the biggest thing for you right now. You're not drinking water. Right. right. And you need to be the type of person who drinks a hundred ounces of water every day. And so I think if you can get there, then that's where a coach can come in is or an accountability partner. Let's not even necessarily say a coach necessarily, but an accountability partner. If an accountability partner can come in and assist you with creating the statement and can assist you with holding you to that statement, right? then I think those are big success, little tips and tricks as we pertain to accountability yeah. with nutrition. Yeah. And I think you kind of nailed it with it. And I kind of maybe over, I was a little too broad with like that whole sense of identity. But if you like broke each one of those pieces down, uh, those self affirming statements yeah. of I am, or I am not, um, starts to help, I think, create that identity. But then over time, obviously that would build confidence in that identity as well. Right. Um, what it kind of reminded me too of like kind of helping people stay accountable would be, um, little things in their day-to-day lives to help kind of condition them into a new lifestyle. Um, so like I kind of use this concept of like keeping it attractive and keeping it very simple. Um, and I think the easiest one a lot of people think about is like drinking more water and then using a straw. Right. Um, just how much easier it is. Uh, a, you know, you can go out of your way and buy like a sweet new Yeti and mm. just treat yourself to make it nice and attractive. Um, and then make it super easy, put the right. straw in there and drink more water. Right. Um, same thing with like putting up a picture of your kids on that mirror where it's like very easy to see. Like, obviously you love to see the sight of your own kids, um, but that will help you if that's like right near your workout drawer, like grab your clothes on the way out. So you make sure you hit the gym on the way home. Um, So I think when you can link that back to the goals, like that's the best way to help keep someone accountable versus like, yeah, we're just going to, I guess, continue to eat well and hope you lose a few pounds. Right. It's like, we, we got to find that good link for that. Right. And that stuff's hard. I mean, and you know, as a, um, you know, a young thirties person, Maria being a young thirties person, we don't have kids. Yeah. We have a job that we love and enjoy and we don't necessarily have any major pursuits. Like we're not going to go, it's not like, Hey, I'm training to climb Mount Everest next year. Uh, you know, I think like we're really easy people to struggle to find some of those accountability statements. And I think when we look at a lot of people who do struggle with nutrition generally over, you know, consistency over a long term, it's people who are kind of in that boat who maybe don't have a lot of those really abundant whys in their life. And so one of the things that Marie and I talk about a lot is, you know, I want to be the type of person who is 
80 years old and is like people are like dude my grandpa does like 100 push-ups every day you look really good at 80 right per that instagram post yeah right to me a huge wave i'm not gonna have that much hair there's no uh, (laughs) way maybe the beard but definitely not the head (laughs) kind of like a raisin with some hair (laughs) right right. but that's like one of those things where you know you you have to think about you you sort of have to fabricate some of those things and but you have to think about like you know what do you want to be associated with like i want to be associated i want to be somebody who when i'm 50 I feel 30 or I feel 20 and I don't want to be somebody who, you know, feels old or, you know, deals with some of those unhealthy things for me, you know, it's like, I I really don't want to have any sign of, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's, any of those mental losses. And so that's a big deciding factor for me to continue to eat healthy. And so I think sometimes it's really hard for people who don't necessarily have those accountability partners. I know we have a lot of those people who listen, who maybe don't have kids who aren't training for the CrossFit games or, or aren't training towards some very specific goal. And I think a lot of times their first go-to is to sign up for a competition or sign up for a marathon or sign up for something new. And, you know, that's sort of just creating these little mini finite games to keep you motivated in the short term. Right. But it doesn't give you accountability over the long term because you're not coming up with those definitive statements, those definitive identifiers, right, of who you want to be, the type of person that you want to be. Right. And... I think sometimes that's the bigger thing. And, you know, we talked about a little bit on the podcast earlier this week is just sitting down and understanding who that person is going to be. That's why I think it's so important for young people and really anybody, but, um, you know, young people to sit down and just spend some time alone to understand more about who they want to be and like the type of person that they want to be when they grow up. And I think if you've ever like battled depression or battled sickness or, you know, been unhappy with how you look, with how you feel, you haven't felt attractive. You haven't, you know, you've gone long stints of time alone. Um, I think sometimes then it's, it's much easier for you to start to say like, I want to be the type of person who has a lot of relationships and I want to be the type of person who, um, you know, feels really good and confident with their body and with their health and some of those things. And some of those statements, like you're not going to find out if you're constantly surrounded by, you know, people and you're constantly from relationship to relationship and, you know, you don't ever spend that time alone to figure out kind of like where you want to go and who you want to be associated with. So I think for people who maybe don't have kids or who don't have some of those things they're training for, or maybe a little bit in that like empty space. Um, I think sometimes it's really hard for them to hone in on that stuff, but I think that's where like, you know, meditation can be key. Having a coach can be key. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, generally just sitting down, taking some time alone to think about like, you know, what are your statements? What are your identifying statements that you want to be making? Sure. Yeah. I think that's like, you can speak more to how I feel like I need to kind of stay self accountable. Um, and just reflect on those things. And the alone time, I don't know if that necessarily works for everyone. Right. Um, be just for that reason of like, maybe sometimes those people are spending too much time alone already. Right. And they just need to go out and like expose themselves to more things too, which can also be super frightening. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can speak to, you know, I didn't, I didn't have no idea what I wanted to do for a long time. And, um, I think that finding those things that light you up, surrounding yourself with those that you can see yourself modeling yourself after uh, are huge. And I think that's why, you know, our community can be so special for that. Um, But 
at the same time, again, this place of a coach to help kind of guide people in the right direction. And, right. and that's where, you know, really the, the, the brevity of what you're taking on as a coach can have a huge impact. So you have to be, I think, very aware of that right. moving forward and just and helping people to the best of your ability. And like I said earlier, kind of meet them where they are in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on. And I think those, you know, the accountability, we have the, the sub statement for that just being consistency over time. And that I think to me is the freeing aspect of nutrition is like we talked about a little bit where it does, it, hacking is pointless essentially right and we talk about this all the time and I think this is like the A number one thing that should be relaxing for you is it really has nothing to do with like what you're doing today or tomorrow <laughs> or over the next week or over the next month or over the next year it really is like what you can do over a 5 to 10 year stint mm. and this is something for me when I first started in CrossFit, it was like all aesthetic. And then I started like to get into competition. I was like, okay, I'm all pushing for performance. Now I'm doing all these things. And that was the stuff I played all these little finite games, like getting ready for regionals, getting ready for this, getting ready for that. And those finite games helped keep me, you know, dialed in. Mm -hmm. But what you realize is like, over time that being dialed in it's like oh you just start kind of looking the way that you always wanted to look when you first started mm -hmm. and I don't think that you know had I not, had I been just sort of short lived with that like you know I didn't look good for, until I it did it for like seven years. It was like, I mean, like I still looked like super scrawny and awkward and I have really weird arms and skinny legs. And there were all these things where it's like, you, you weren't, you know, you didn't, it's just like, since even since you've started at friendship, like your aesthetics have changed. I think a big part of that is just the, the consistency when you start sure. to like watch it happen, like over time with people, mm -hmm. um, you know, as we always talk about like, like women's upper backs in the gyms is like when they first start, it's just like, they got like sort of these chicken wing shoulder blades. And then all of a sudden, like you look after a couple of years and it's like, they've got like dialed in posture and they've mm -hmm. got these defined upper back muscles and they can, they're holding themselves more proudly. They're looking you in the eye and it just is like, you start kind of just slowly walking towards this. I think it's the really, that's the hardest part with nutrition for people is it's one of the very few things that's just, you know, it's, it's not, not only is it not overnight, but a lot of times it's not even two months or mm -hmm. for some people it's not even like six months. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like six years. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about people who don't have like massive amounts of weight to lose. Mm -hmm. For somebody who's maybe been underweight their whole life and they're just looking to put on a little bit of muscle and it's like right. it's, it's just a long trek yeah. and and those are the things i think sometimes that consistency over time right. is why it's so important to have a big long-term vision of like you will be working on nutrition from now till the day you die essentially yeah. it's just it's a it's a truly infinite game mm -hmm. and there is no perfect there's only you know, good, better and worse. Right. And it's like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm doing a little bit better today than I was five years ago. And, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, Hey, I'm doing a little worse today than I was five years ago. And so I need to get back on because over this long journey that I've got for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years, I would like to be more consistent. I'd like to be right. more dialed in. Cause I know that that's going to net me the, the results I want to get. Yeah. I think you definitely have to, uh, I mean, you couldn't have hit the nail more on the head than what you just did. Um, 
but at, to, to play on a more, I think, acute basis where you're looking at the day to day, it's just how's your scale tipping? We, You and I have this conversation all the time. How many green decisions am I making today? How many red decisions am I making? Right. Um, is my, uh, I kind of use the analogy as like a video game nerd, like is my health bar staying in the green or yeah. am I bringing it down to the red? Right. Um, and I like thought of this the other day um, where if uh, it made me think of the prices right I think K money was singing the prices right theme song yeah. to, to Teddy uh, and I remember that Plunko game yeah. where like you stand on top and you drop the disc yeah, down sure. right and it like bl- blops all over the place and yep. finds a spot if we were to turn that on its axis and each one of those little like little pegs that are sticking out that control it like if they were like a decision point throughout yeah, the day right. how can we stay like almost to make an analogy to uh, Tim Kite stuff like above the line, right? Yep. Like if we can stay above the line every day, right? And we can do that over the course of the week, uh, the month, the year. That's the sort of thing that's going to create like a literal upward trajectory for right. you. Uh, and that's and, and like you said, it's that's the relaxing thing. It's right. like, dude, you can mess up today. It's yeah. fine. Like, right. go out, have a beer with your friends. Yeah. Go out, have a burger. No big deal. Right. Uh, the biggest thing is like once you make a mistake twice it's now a decision right so make the mistake once totally good just get back on the horse but once you do it twice right now you're deciding to do that and that's where you start to let yourself down and your coach down yeah um and that just leads to that downward spiral that jack always talks about so it's like you start that downward spiral and downward spirals are you know i just think about it was like black holes like they're they're sucking you you want to stay as far away from them as possible because um What's the not not event horizon? I forget what the what the term is where you hit you hit the tipping point. And now you're you're dead. Basically, mm-hmm. you're like sucked in all the way. And so we want to avoid starting that you know that gravitational pull downwards. And if you think about that plinko analogy, which I really like, you know, you, we're up or down, we're up or down. But as soon as you start to get two or three of those ticks downwards, it's like okay, so now we're we're like you can see it, and now we're approaching <laughs> oh, that gosh. downward line, and you know now that spiral starts. And you know this is why I tell people all the time. You know, when I used to do a ton of nutrition coaching and consultations, uh, the big thing was you know. Saturday night, I like to go out and drink. Awesome. We know we're going to do that. That's no big deal at all. However, that means that before you go out on Saturday, I want a perfect dialed in meal. Mm-hmm. Be a total train wreck Saturday night. Sure. Whatever. It mm-hmm. is what it is, right? We're going to do that. You enjoy doing that. We don't want to remove that from your life. Mm-hmm. But first thing, when you wake up on Sunday, I need a perfect breakfast. Mm-hmm. I need you to get a little bit of a sweat going. I need you to drink a lot of water. And then the rest of Sunday has to be dialed in because yeah. there's no excuse on it's, a Sunday. That Saturday event isn't right. what does it. It's always what's afterwards. It's the downward spiral. It's yes. it's staying in bed. You're hung over. Just gonna or, like and this it's is me in the army. Breakfast. I'm gonna I'm gonna order a pizza <laughs> at like noon on a Sunday and watch football all day. Right. And and now your downward spiral is is trending over 48 hours. Yeah. And if we know what it does to the body, like that 48 hours is actually gonna have an effect for. 10 days, seven days, like a long time. And so we need to, you know, be thinking about that in that vein. And I think again, when we start thinking about the peacefulness of that is like, you're free to make these decisions, but you also have to understand that that decision also comes with the responsibility to make the bookended good decisions as well. And I think that's from an accountability perspective and consistency over time perspective. You know, I think you're going to be, I guess I should say I don't like nutrition plans, programs, coaches who 
like don't model that in mm-hmm. right who yeah. don't have that understanding yeah. who can't do that communication and I used to be pretty hardcore with a lot of the nutrition coaching stuff um, and the big reason why was I liked people to be able to prove to themselves that they could not drink on a Saturday for sure and and then you know when you do start doing that it's like you know in the back of your mind like I don't have to go and do this mm-hmm. right but on the back end I also realized that you know that also can cause a crashing effect, right? Yeah. Where we, we get done with that 30 days and, you know, we used to do these paleo challenges and they were super successful, but it was, Oh, I can't wait to get like 30 brownies. On Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's like people are doing it now. It's like, when is the summer challenge over? Like I want Tostitos chips. And I was like, I think that was Ashley say not, not actually Tostitos. I think she just wants some, uh, some, uh, tortilla chips. So, oh my gosh, but great. you know, you get that stuff and it's like, well, you know, I did, we didn't want this to be a restrictive thing if you were dialed in all summer long without Tostitos chips then that means you know you don't need them right to be happy and so when we do put them back into place let's just make sure we keep those other great habits that we built bring them into the picture now but then on the bookends of those just make sure that we're dialed in Mm -hmm. so um, all right so let's talk about uh, our next every time I turn I ruin us All right. So next, uh, let's go back to the top. All right. So we'll talk about education and we talk about two different things with education. And this is what we talked about where, and this is why I wanted to start with mental and then accountability, because I really think, and I I think we agree on this. If our mental game or resiliency is dialed in and we are highly accountable from a nutrition perspective, the rest of the stuff really isn't going to matter a ton, right? Like whether we do, you know, macros or your paleo or your this or your that isn't the biggest deal in the world. If we are in a great mental place with our food mm-hmm. and we're in a great mental place with, um, you know, our state and we're present and we're self-aware mm-hmm. and we're highly accountable for nutrition, mm-hmm. then, you know, the X's and O's of this, the, the education piece is not near as important. And so I know you guys, you know, we kind of talk about this in terms of giving everybody the education that they need in that moment, right? So you're not going to give somebody who's coming in and they're not drinking enough water and they're eating, you know, a thousand calories a day. We don't really need to give them the full blown education on meal timing, right? Or macros or some of those kinds of things. We maybe have some bigger fish to fry. So walk me through a little bit about how, you know, you kind of think about you know, food education and how you kind of dole that out based on where clients come to you from. Yeah. Yeah. I think establishing, uh, I often will refer to them as like low hanging fruits. So just like you had just mentioned in your example there, um, you know, sometimes, especially in a beginning part of someone's nutrition journey, uh, you know, you have to prove yourself in a way as a coach, like, Hey, I can help you. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, so it's kind of twofold in the sense where let's find some low hanging fruits that they may not necessarily feel too burdened on starting to change, which I know that will have a high impact. Um, and then what I'll try and do at that point is we will talk when I finish a lifestyle assessment, we go through a total day's nutrition and kind of put all the pieces together. We'll start to kind of look at some things and I'll say, Hey, it looks like you are, you know, drinking 24 ounces of water on a daily basis. Um, like, do you think this is something you want to be working on or do you see this as a problem? Yes or no? Most likely. Yes. And then we'll go into talking about why based off their goals that they have, that it's important why I brought that up. Um, 
So the alcohol is a big one that we'll talk about. And um, a lot of times people don't make that link. And it's crazy timing with this stuff because I just read a fascinating blog post on um, the general public's thoughts on alcohol versus diet soda. Right. And how um, someone just posed the question, which is worse, diet soda or alcohol? And like 80% of the responses were diet soda. Wow. Which was just mind blowing. And then it was this, this nutrition coach's perspective on how this is just a terrible problem right. on what's going on. And we can talk more about that later, but, um, like once you get into like, okay, yeah, you love to go out on a Saturday night. That's awesome. Um, what does it look like? And then it's like a few beers there and then like a little hair of the dog on Sunday. Uh, and then you find out during their, um, standard week that they'll like have a glass of wine at night sometimes and all these things. And then you start to talk about how it's linked to sleep, how it's linked to recovery, how it can impede fat metabolism and protein synthesis. And then, you know, pretty much across the board, everyone's, uh, you know, main objective with nutrition is body recomposition, right? Let's build muscle and lose fat. So once you start talking to them from a, you know, science background and you make it, um, understandable and relatable, I think that's the most powerful thing as opposed to me just kind of spitting nutrition facts at them and being like, yeah, you should be eating according to the plate method all the time and you need five to eight servings of vegetables per day. Um, So you kind of find those low hanging fruits, give them the why behind it. And then that creates that kind of buy-in where it's like, listen, we're only going to focus on three things for the next four weeks. This is one of them. And I guarantee we're going to see some results with this. Right. Um, So Everyone's a little bit different in that sense, but I find that that's kind of the the easiest and also most successful way to go about it. Yeah, and sometimes, just like you said, it's just shining a light on it. It's like I think people probably know deep down or they're maybe aware, but when somebody comes in and shines a light on it, Mm -hmm. that was what, you know, what we've done with a lot of people is, okay, so, you know, I've just written down generally what you'd say normal weeks look like and, you know, how much alcohol we're having and, like, would it surprise you to tell you that, you know, I think you're drinking about 2,400 calories of alcohol every week mm-hmm. and they'd be like, oh. and they kind of think about it and they're like, well, oh, okay. Like, all right. And you're like, well, you know, 2,400 calories is essentially more than what we would be kind of prescribing for you to be eating on a given day. Mm-hmm. So it means essentially you're drinking an entire day's worth of extra calories every single week. Like, you see why this is yeah. this is going to be your a number one lowest hanging fruit as it pertains to weight loss, right? Yeah. And and what you see then is like so people make that change. We cut it down to six hundred calories. Yeah, and just immediately overnight, it's like four weeks later, it's like oh, I've lost eleven pounds. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like literally. I mean, you can lose it that fast in that scenario, and sometimes it's just. You know, that's where the the education piece comes in, where you're just shining that light on it and Mm -hmm. saying, you know, hey, look, like the quantity here, we know that this is a bad quality thing Mm -hmm. and the quantity for being a bad thing is just a little bit too much. Right. Right. And so I think, you know, those are the two different boats and there's a lot of battles nutritionally. And we were talking about this before we got on the podcast, just about the advice given. Instagram and social media culture, the internet culture and internet culture guiding the decisions now for nutrition is a very dangerous thing. And I think the big reason why is people come at things from sort of a very specific angle. And when we really break it down, when it really comes down to from a quantity and a quality perspective is, I mean, I think you articulate it really well just in like one sentence. You're like, we're just going to eat 
highly nutritious foods in the appropriate quantities. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like I tell people all the time, like I can explain exercise really eloquently in, you know, one sentence. And the more you coach, the more you're around it, the more you realize that it is as simple as that one statement that we just made. Yeah. And I think there's um, if you look at that phrase, that's, I think, the only nutrition phrasing in terms of advice that you can give where it creates a very simplistic approach to a very complex topic. Right. But that's basically as far as it goes. So, and that's uh, getting back to education. What I'll always kind of warn people is that, you know, there's methods that'll work well for some people, but if you're out there looking for a super simplistic answer to your problem, it's likely too good to be true. Right. Uh, if you do stumble on that, um, so with this whole topic of education uh, and then getting back to those social media influencers, I think that if there was one thing I wanted to get across to the public or the community is that, again, like I just mentioned, some methods work for some people, but uh, I try and take a lot of pride in doing science-based research keeping up to date on topics about that, reviewing countless articles on a weekly basis on what's being studied, what the uh, what peer reviewed literature is saying and what abstracts are coming out with. And um, these these media coming back to common sense. Yeah, it it does. For the most part. Yeah. Um, There there hasn't been any groundbreaking nutrition information. You always kind of hope that you'll read a study and be like, holy shit, they're saying this now. This is incredible. All we need to do is get blasted with a laser all day and we have all of our nutrition. There we go. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, you know, the science is new, uh, but it hasn't changed much. And um, when it comes to fad diets and macronutrient breakdowns and all these things, consistency is king. Uh, You know, all the research kind of points in that direction. There's, there's cool stuff that you can get into. And, you know, I geek out about phytonutrients and what that can do and supplementation game. But, you know, when it comes to just, um, the, the information that I give, what I educate my clients to, and the stuff that we're putting out on social media is like, it's it's science-based. Right. Um, so we're not going to put anything out there that's not going to have some weight to it. Right. Um, so that's that's what I think is key with this whole educational piece is, you know, we're, as dietitians, we're required to do some of that uh, education over the course of five years and stay up to date on these things. And, right. uh, you know, in the meantime, we have people on social media just... Like I saw something the other day is like a water cleanse for. Well, they're selling get rich quick schemes, right? And this is the thing is, you know, they're, they're selling lottery tickets and get rich quick schemes when the person still doesn't have good control over credit cards. Right. And so it's like, you know, look, if, if you want to have good financial health, you know, control your credit card situation first, you know, control your consumption first. And that will be your get rich quick scheme, Mm -hmm. but buying it. But that's the thing is like, people are really good at making these, like, I can help you more than this person faster and better if you just click on my thing and buy it. Right. And it just ends up being one of those things where it's like, you know, that's all like, I hope that no, and probably anybody we always talk about, we're just kind of preaching to the choir on this podcast, but pretty much everybody listening to this podcast is going to be very commonsensical and they're going to have a good understanding of that. Mm -hmm. But I think that the nutrition and, and online social media has a bit of a different influence on people because 
the athletes and the way they look and it, it is very it's very aspirational mm. right and I think you see it happen even a lot of times with people who are pretty dialed in as they'll still see you know I always think of Annie Thor's daughter but I know that people aren't that into like her body but her abs are just like the most ridiculous thing in the world so people would see like her abs and she comes out with an ab program and she comes out with an ab program with nutrition and all this and that and you know and people are just going to be like well expert I really want abs like that and it's like you know look to get abs it's really very simple and it's not a program right it's consistency and accountability and nutrition over time mm-hmm. right and that's it mm-hmm. and you know but even the strongest willed most commonsensical of people can scroll across something and have a moment of vulnerability and be taken advantage of really is what they're doing and you know i think all those things you know from your perspective as a nutrition coach and from our perspective as you know exercise is constantly playing playing games to make sure that like okay we need to be keeping people engaged and we need to be keeping people excited but at the same time we're basing everything in just building consistency Mm -hmm. and keeping engagement and you know you just need to be bought in like that's all we need right now is just stay bought in Mm -hmm. and just keep building that consistency you've been here for seven years awesome let's be here for 10 years right and like and those are the things where it's like if we continue to just think about like how can we continue to keep things fresh and keep things exciting and keep those engagements high and do these things um, you know that's ultimately what's gonna build that consistency and that's Mm -hmm. what we talk about for entry process and your first initial thing is like what do we need to do to make sure that this person can be consistent for five years or be Mm -hmm. success be successful in the gym and nutritionally for 10 years yeah and you know there's a lot of other nutritional programs that are offered that definitely do not have that in their sites where they are focused on getting you success in four to six weeks Mm -hmm. and that is it Mm -hmm. and there is no continuing conversation beyond that Mm -hmm. and I think that's the stuff that, I mean, it drives us crazy, right? Because we just know it's not what's best for people. Mm-hmm. So I think from an accountability and education piece, I think that's a part of it that's actually not on the pyramid is, you know, almost like a, an education to kind of what traps to not fall into, right? Is like, what are we, what do we need to pay attention to? What do we, you know, if somebody's recommending that you eat 1100 calories a day and do a million workouts, like mm, that's like preempting you to an eating disorder and exercise addiction. And that's bad. That's and we don't bad. want that. Right. And so we maybe need to have some education on that also. That's not on there. Then the last one is refinement. And this is what you had said is the fun stuff, right? This is when somebody is accountable, they have the education, they've shown you that they can be dialed in for a year or two years. They have great habits and now we're refining the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what your biggest pieces from like a refinement perspective are, like what you feel like, uh, you know, so let's, I mean, we can just use Clark. You said, you know, you kind of play around with that a little bit. What do you feel like from a refining perspective? Is it supplementation? Is it, um, you know, is it, varying different types of vegetables together to get more micronutrients like what do you feel like are your kind of go-tos for that yeah so i would say him and amongst others that are at this point um i think one of the, the first and foremost most fun things to work at is 
how do we maximize? Because at this time, they're they're pretty much at the point where they're looking at performance or like peak aesthetics. Right. Uh, like I just want to be a little leaner, a little more cut, a little stronger. Or lifestyle optimization, maybe. Yeah. Like maybe their work schedule changed, or you know their their wives' work schedule changed, or something. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I know we talk about Clark with like intermittent fasting, so that maybe pertains to like Ken's schedule a little bit, and mm-hmm. there are some things like that. So yeah, maybe lifestyle, but yeah, I think those are the big two or three. Yeah. So what I think is is fun is like okay, let's let's look at kind of your light. Let's break it down. Like for me, it's like a puzzle now. Like let's look at the time you're waking up, you're going to work, you're working out, all these things, and then how can we partition some of your nutrients for the day at like maximizing the anabolic process that happens after exercise. How can we maximize your energy levels and your performance leading up to exercise? And then for them, it's like, all of a sudden they're like this, this athlete, right? They're like, they're thinking like, I'm Tom Brady walking out right. onto the field. Right. Uh, I'm going to like take some like nitric oxide producing vegetables before I come in. Oh, give, um, give your plug. My beet juice. My beet juice. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so doing something like that. Um, you know, timing a little bit of uh, carbon protein intake beforehand too. So you feel great coming onto the floor. Um, timing meals so that you're not still digesting food. You're like fully fueled coming out and, and performing. But then on the backside of that, you know, refueling properly too. So you could come back and do it the next day with great intensity. Um, so that's really fun to play with. Um, a lot of times these athletes and just individuals fall into the trap of uh, just a redundant eating pattern. So like they found it's worked well for them. So I'm just going to like stick to that and right. maybe vary it every other week if they're lucky. So I think um, on the opposite end of that, the big struggle is trying to break them from that habit. And this is where like varying proteins, varying your fruits and vegetables to get what you may be lacking from the previous month of you eating chicken, Brussels sprouts, and brown rice for two meals a day for the full month. Yeah, you're broken. breaking out of that and that's too we can we can look at some supplements to help with that but normally i'm just like you know let's let's take a little bit of a step back let's take a breath how can we look to just make eating more interesting again versus um eating for uh checking a box in a way so we'll look at and you know most of the time those foods can be an equivalent to a protein you're already eating in terms of general protein intake and calories. Um, but with the vegetables too, almost like doing nothing for your total day. Right. And even if you were off, you know, five to 10 grams on any given day, it's still not the end of the world because we're ballparking. We're not perfect. Uh, so yeah, so it's fun to talk to them about that and like find new ways to have those foods and prepare those foods. Cause I think, you know, at the core of myself as a nutrition coach and baby bear would attest to this. I love to cook. Yeah. Um, so that's where I get to kind of flex that side of my brain as well. Um, so I think those are the two big things when it comes to refinement. So the timing and then the type of food that they're taking in. Um, and then I, I think too, just from that perspective of, you know, this is, even though we are working for optimization, there's still a part of this that should be enjoyable. It's kind of getting into that mindset where, um, you know, are you being too strict at times? Can we lift the reins in certain areas? Um, you know, having a cheat meal so that way your body can at least understand that there's other foods that are out there so you can kind of bounce back from that and have a better workout for some reason. I think Matt LaMonica spoke to that. He's like, Sometimes I eat wings and have some beers and I come in and have a great workout. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just that maybe it's just the type of person like you just need that mental break right. 
to kind of get back on the wagon and hit it even harder. Yeah, um, yeah maybe you're under calorie or maybe you're, um, you know, you just haven't been getting enough carbs or whatever right. it might be. Like there's all sorts of like telltale signs that you could take from that, to, mm-hmm. but that would lead to more refinement, right? More, more experimentation. Absolutely. Yeah. Just right. kind of tweaking the knobs until you find what works best. Right. Um, and I would say like in my almost 10 years of nutrition coaching, I don't think I've ever met someone where I'm like, we're done. Yeah. This is great. Right. Um, enjoy your life. Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> so there's nothing, always nothing you could ever do better forever. <laughs> there's always something. Uh, and I think, and then once you pivot, even if it seems somewhat related, I think it can dictate the conversation in another direction where, uh, you sometimes have to change a lot to get what you're talking about now. So, uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun with those types of athletes. Yeah. 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 I think it's cool when you can get to that point. The, uh, so I've got two or three things left to chat on. Um, so biggest things, uh, that you feel like, and this can lead into one of the other ones that we were talking about before we got on, but what would you say like in the nutrition industry, what would you feel like, like your biggest kind of gripes are, or like maybe big market trends that you're seeing that just frustrate the hell out of you? Like what are some, some things that are maybe being discussed that, and I know one of the big ones for you, and I'll just give you an example, Yeah. Uh, but one of the big ones for you are, um, you know, diets that really focus a single macronutrient. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, keto kind of falls into that, but basically trying to almost entirely neglect an entire macronutrient, um, Mm -hmm. you know, subset from your diet. And, you know, I think a lot of that stuff comes from people who go through the experience of trying the diet and see short-term success that they equate to results. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is two things. One, nutritionally, if you're making some of those decisions and like there's all kinds of different ways like like i had i had the norovirus a few years ago and i lost like 17 pounds in a day right it's a great diet <laughs> yeah right <laughs> exactly and so like there's all kinds of ways that we can get you some short term results but Absolutely. on the long run of things like we maybe need to be doing you know some blood tests we maybe need to be looking at other things like how do you sleep how's your mental clarity how are you you know doing at work and all these other things that can come into play when we start looking at you know, keto mm-hmm. or other, other, you know, dietary, you know, levels that are, that are similar to this sure. where we're, we're eating a heavy amount of, you know, proteins or carbohydrates or whatever. And, you know, the effects, the negative effects from that one singular macronutrient and the lack of, you know, minerals and nutrients and things that we're getting from the, that we would be getting from the macronutrient base that we're missing, mm-hmm. um, that's going to have a negative health implication on the long run. Right. And you might not see it for six months. You might not see it for a year. Mm -hmm. The documentary that you watch that's featuring that might be over by the time that the person develops that health issue. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes if I have one big gripe in and I'm going to say this preempting the, the documentary, I'm going to show you the trailer for after this, where there's a new documentary coming out that is made by James Cameron. Oh, and it's nutrition oriented. Perfect. And it is, uh, it's got, you know, I mean, it's, it's so produced. It's just like, there's like explosions and big bold, like bam, 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 bam. It's just like, and like all this stuff. And I'm like watching the trailer. I'm like, good God. Like, this is like movie pro level. Right. And the problem is, is like, we, we had this discussion on the affiliate owners forum is, they have a very clear angle that they are trying to push. 
and they are going to spend the next two hours. It's not, there's not information being given out. Yeah. They're going to spend the next two hours supporting their conclusion. It's why like I, I was like sort of low key, like losing my freaking mind when people were watching, like making a murderer. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it drove me nuts. Cause yeah. I watched the first 30 minutes and I go, he did it. I can already see the angle that the documentary is taking you on. Right. Or, you know, the show, whatever you, however you want to say it, they have a very clear objective that they are trying to push. They have a narrative, they have an idea and they believe that, for whatever reason and all you're consuming is propaganda mm-hmm. and that's all it is mm-hmm. you're being persuaded by propaganda that is dialed in to making you think and feel this one specific way about this one specific diet or whatever it is right um and that stuff to me is is something that is probably my biggest gripe is people like because for some reason because it's entertaining and it's well produced they like lose their common sense in the short term to be able to look at things objectively and say like well they presented literally no counter evidence to this Mm -hmm. like none yeah and and so it was just propaganda basically yeah and and i i didn't fact check anything in that documentary so I'm just taking everything that these people say at just face value. Well, why? Where'd you see it? Was it on like a, was it on a paid dietitian website that was like state sponsored from a charity that's a dot org that makes no money off it? No, no. It was on Netflix. Oh yeah. It was for profit. <laughs> it, you're just like, yeah, you see okay. why that just, God damn it. And so like, that's my biggest like rant. I'm getting gripe. so fired up right now. Yeah, I know. And that's, <laughs> that was why I, so that was why I brought up gripes is, um, yeah. is, you know, I want you to get kind of fired up. Cause I think some of those things are their decisions that we see otherwise commonsensical people start to fall into. Uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, was it black called blackfish? The, the one that, um, was about Shamu. Yeah. And, and um, I never got into that. I didn't watch it either because yeah. I, I, so many people in talking so to people, I knew ahead of time that they're pushing this, they're pushing this conclusion. And I also knew that like before I watched the documentary, when I watched it, I knew that there was this huge subset of SeaWorld trainers who wrote this big thing that were, that was contradicting the article. And I go, look, the SeaWorld trainers have a very clear agenda. They want people to keep coming to their theme park. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the, not uh, the marine biologists who are taking care of them. I'm sure they actually really care about, you know, the health and well-being yeah, of, like, of of these animals. And so they they've written this article over here, but they're clearly biased on that side. And then this you know group, the organization who is against animal captivity, no matter what. Right. They're going to make the documentary over here and they're going to push that agenda. And so it's like you just take both things and then I'm just like, okay, cool. Like I'm fine not really having too much of an opinion on that because Mm -hmm. it doesn't really pertain to my life or whatever it is. But when you watch just one side of the story or you see one side of the picture and you don't engage any further than that you don't look up counter research you don't you know pay attention to what was their angle with this like why do they think that and james cameron is a bit of a nut job when it comes to like plant-based nutritional stuff Mm. um and and that's the thing is like just the trailer alone like you can see they're talking about a plant-based diet and it's like well yeah plant-based diet is great like vegetables are amazing for you we should be eating the majority of our food should be Mm plant-based but what it's missing is saying like 
but we also get a lot of really valuable nutrients from animal protein. Yeah. And, you know, from things that don't come from, you know, plants. Yeah. And so, uh, oh, now I'm stoked for this documentary. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> you kind of so, have to watch it to just get both sides, especially in my profession. I mean, right. I, I do have to be aware cause I'm inevitably someone's going to come in the next day. Right. And be like, Hey, Oh, you're going to get going vegan. You're going to get crushed. There, people, yeah. people who did, people who didn't listen to this podcast and watch that documentary, dude, it's going to be tons of people because like, it's Andy, this thing. I need to set up an yeah, appointment right this now. Thing's gonna, this thing's going to hit huge and you're going to be, you're going to be inundated with this. Yeah. Stuff. And again, it gets back to there's, you know, so pretty much with nutrition. So I would say more often than not, you can say where there's smoke, there's some fire. Right. Um, but Again, it's all like, this can work for you. This can work for you. What are you focusing on? What are our goals? Right. Um, so kind of bringing it back to um, the the kind of example you use with gripes and you kind of nailed it. Like that's probably my number one when you had mentioned that like a, a nutrition approach would completely omit like a food or a food group. Uh, and mainly just because like I was just thinking while you were talking, I'm like, okay, so why does that really bother me? Um, and I... I don't think it's just the fact that they would be missing out on like tons of options and uh, likely putting themselves at somewhat of a deficiency in some area. It's just that like I feel for people who get strong armed into believing that that's truth because so much of what I try and talk to people about is sustainability. And I want you to like, let's take intermittent fasting, for example. We put you in a window of time, like, because you heard somewhere that it was great. And again, it has its pros, it has its cons. But like, next thing you know, you're going to grandma's 90th birthday and you're celebrating her and you're having a dinner with family and some birthday cake, but it's outside your window. Right. What are you going to do? Right. <clears throat> and that, that sucks. Like, I'd hate for them to miss that because they think that whatever they're following is the, the end all be all. Right. Um, so that, you know, that's just one example of many that I think you can do with that type of nutrition approach. So for me, it's just like, I feel like I'm a people person. I don't want them to feel burdened. I don't want them to feel like they're missing out. How can we find balance to this whole equation and right. then just keep you in the positive like we yeah. talked about? And that's, you know, the analogy, and I've started just using this recently, and I wish that I would have, I think I literally just came up with this one day, uh, but I wish I would have kind of honed in on it earlier and it could probably still be improved. But you know, I always look at, you know, again, kind of thinking to that like planko board, but think about like, uh, have you ever seen that like Chinese game show where uh, there's like cutouts in the wall oh, yeah. and they have to do the poses yeah. and get through the wall? <laughs> I always think about those like, like diets. It's like, you know, those are just diets coming at you. And it's like, you can try to contort and conform your body to get into those. But like, wouldn't it just be so much easier if we just made a cutout for you that you could just stand normally and be yourself and just roll right through? And like, I think that's... Just, that just hit me right here. Right. And so like, that that's the thing for me where it's like, you get all these people and it's like, you're bending and twisting. You're trying to change your, your lifestyle and your habits and your thought process and all these things to just bend to somebody else's diet that maybe was their diet, right? So you take like the zone diet was maybe, you know, Dr. Barry Spears was just like a... You know, I'm struggling with, you know, like macros and quantity levels and how I could think about this and articulate. So I came up with this system that works really well for me mm. and had basically just dials in macronutrients. And it's like this system and here's why we do it and so on, so on, so on. And so he came up with this thing. And maybe that's the Barry Spears diet. Right. And so like he found out what works for him. 
but then you start to tell other people about it and it might absolutely work for you, which is great. Right. But to try to take you as like a, you know, a round peg and fit it into that square hole all the time, like it would just be way easier to make the Andy era diet. Right. And like, what's that diet going to look like for you? Right. Because it's such an individual practice. This is why we stopped doing a lot of really like, you know, big, like everybody's going to be eating paleo for this paleo challenge. And it was much more now, like we'll do challenges, but it'll be much more like we're going to handle these things on an individual basis Mm -hmm. because it is just so individualistic. Right. And you're going to be dealing people with me who eat pretty healthy, but struggle with vegetables. You can be dealing with people maybe like Omar or Maria who like love vegetables and have no problem eating those, but maybe, you know, Maria maybe struggles to get protein. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't struggle to get protein. And so it's like, those are the things where in, and that's the individual pursuit. We eat from the same palate, the same plate, the same refrigerator, mm-hmm. but our diets are very different by nature. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the things where, um, you know, when you think about kind of what you were talking about, that, that subset, I think that's why it can be, can be frustrating because like you said, it's like they get strong armed into thinking that they need to bend their way and conform their lifestyle to fit this outside thing. Yeah. In reality, we should just be taking the good pieces of that and the good pieces of this and, you know, creating the the Andy plan or whatever it is. I think you get those people and they come into the office and then they're like, I've tried everything. Nutrition does not work for me. My metabolism is broken. I can never lose weight or gain muscle or whatever it is. And it's because they just haven't fallen on that simple conclusion yet. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, and then, uh, okay. So moving on. So we've got a couple more things to talk about. We're getting long, but this is great. I love it. Oof, juice. So wellness lifestyle challenge. Okay. So yeah. the, you know, we've, we've run different challenges. Like we were just talking about, we've tried a bunch of different things every year. We try to make it better. And you know, the big thing we want to focus on this year is again, kind of thinking back to that longer term trajectory how can we take people who are maybe new in their nutrition journey and how can we, or maybe even just new in their lifestyle journey, how can we take them and start to think about establishing a couple really good like um, atmospheres or environments mm-hmm. or conversations as it relates to like some of these really important things. So like the base of the pyramid. So like, um, you know, movement, lifestyle, mental state, nutrition, like mm-hmm. some of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so tell me a little bit about what you're most excited about for, uh, for the wellness lifestyle challenge. Yeah, I think, um, I, I just, it's taken 32 years for me to feel like I have some degree of balance in all these things. So I'm excited to take these people on who have kind of gone down the the broken path for a long time, coming to us that are relatively newer to fitness and definitely new to nutrition. Uh, And then just kind of not only just sharing with them uh, and helping them come to the realization of what are some things that they can work on that would just pay off dividends for them over the course of their life, but then also just help them find strategies to put into place that would be effective for them. Right. Uh, so I think that's a big disconnect with a lot of these things is like you have um, people identify things that they need to work on and let's just take sleep for example. It's like, okay, well, a lot of research is coming out with sleep right now and I think you're you know, a pretty good self-proclaimed expert with that. So I love you it. give great information. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people look at a, a, a facet of their lifestyle like that and they have a hard time 
putting practices to play uh, and they'll maybe like try something. There's lack of consistency there, which I think the accountability of the challenge comes into play with that stuff. So um, helping them kind of identify skills that they could put into place to then help kind of pay off. So I'm excited to see people like, uh, you know, the dream would be four or five years from now, like someone who did the challenge is still here and they're like, yeah, well, I'm just still doing that sleep thing. I talked to Andy about back in 2019. Um, Yeah. Just made it happen, made the decision in, you know, the fall of 2019 made the decision that I was just going to be the type of person who didn't late night snack anymore. Right. That was all I worked on for six weeks. I proved to myself that I couldn't do it. I followed these two or three strategies that Andy gave. And now I have no problems with late night snacking anymore. Right. Forever for the rest of my life, which is huge for a ton of people. I mean, we did, you know, the diamond Hill nutrition challenge and we did some of those things. And I mean, that was what, 70% 70% of people's biggest issue that they labeled as their a number one problem right. from a nutrition perspective. And we saw 100% success rate with that, uh, with that challenge. Like people were just killing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times the big reason was just like, yeah, we just gave them a plan and a system and a small habit to change with just, let's just fix late night snack. Let's just focus on this one thing. If the end of the challenge, we knock this thing out. Let's do the end body and see if just changing that late night snacking makes a difference. And then you right. see people and it's like, wow, I lost six pounds and 2% body fat just by, you know, timing my dinner better or eating a couple more vegetables with dinner or having a late night snack that was like carrots or something where it was like I had, I had a plan for it. Right. And when you see those habits change, like, those are the things then where you're just like, yeah, like that's, that's what we do this for. for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for it. I get, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get juiced when we talk about sleep. It sleep's <laughs> one of those things where there's a lot of people that we have that, that focus on the benefits of sleep. Yeah. And I really honestly, like I'm very poorly read on the benefits of sleep in my mind. I just think like, there's just no doubt that more sleep is good for you. Like there's, and you can dive into them and there's so many of them. Um, but it just kind of ends up being one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, like, let's just agree that like exercise is good for you. Right. And let's not worry about it too <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah. And let's just focus on how we should be exercising. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of the same thing. It's like, let's just agree that sleep is good for you and not worry too much about like, uh, it's going to give you all this and this and this and it's going to like decrease the odds of like dementia and dying early and cancer and this and that. And it's like everything, right? Like sleep impacts everything. Right. Yeah. So let's just, blanketly say that it's important it's great and let's just instead focus on how we can sleep better right For sure and and so i think that's the kind of stuff where um you know it's mm-hmm. it's interesting i always find it interesting to see what people um study on you know are, are you looking at the benefits of it or or are you you know quickly coming to the conclusion like i think and not everybody's here but i think that nutrition is a good example of like a like is there anybody who would be able to argue that like eating healthy is good for you like that there, that there's a benefit there and and so like we don't have much argument on that like every nutrition expert in the world no matter what they're pushing they're all basically just saying that like hey i think nutrition's super important and so we just do that and all we disagree on is the implementation on that yeah. right and so um so i think it's always interesting to me when people like read like like oh you sent uh that article i think a few weeks ago where you're like you're like oh did you know that like eating more cherries can help you with this and this and this and i'm like like oh no, I didn't. It's like, all you'd have to say is like, Hey, one of the things you should be eating is cherries. And like, it's, I don't need to worry about the benefits of, it, but I do understand that there are some people who they need that hard and fast. Like, I know that this is going to help me 
have less risk of prostate cancer, which is super prevalent in my family. And I'm really worried about getting that sometime. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you can say this, this one thing like, Hey, beet juice is proven to help you, you know, battle prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And so like, you should be doing this every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think those things, sometimes that is where like kind of the value is on some of that stuff, but Mm -hmm. we're going to focus mainly more on the habits and we're probably just going to make some concessions on things like, working on your mental health is, is good for you. And like eating healthy is good for you. And sleeping right. is good for you. And exercising is good. For we'll you. make that the first slide. In the <laughs> right. We're just going to agree. Yeah, right let's now. all just understand that this is, we're just going to assume these things. If you guys have an argument, we'd love to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> Anybody wants to come on the podcast and debate with me why they think sleep is important. Arguments for the good of the group, for the good of, for the good of the group. Right. And I was going to say about sleep is I'm just totally, um, in a position where I've been very lucky because baby bear loves her sleep. And we always joke that she's like this little puppy that runs out of energy at the end of the night. And she just loves her sleep. She takes it so seriously. Um, Otherwise, um, you know, I think one of my um, guilty pleasures is when I don't have something early in the morning the next day, I'm like, what movies can I put on? I'm going to stay up to 1 a.m. It usually lasts to like 1030. But Kristen like comes and looks at me at like 858 and she's Mm -hmm. like, are you coming to bed or not? Right. <laughs> but right. she just, she's so dialed in with that. Yeah. And I have to thank her for that. But yeah. so I'm just lucky from that perspective. But uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny how people just become uh, conditioned. Like yeah. sleep is just such an easy, simple thing to fix, but not always easy. Right. But once you've been staying up to 1am to watch movies every night, right. Because you don't have to be at work until 9am the next day. Right. Then it's just like, well, I don't see any other reason yeah. to change. But yeah, and it's crazy to see like people don't equate the two, but it's like but sleep and nutrition and exercise and weight loss and all that stuff. It's all super tied in. And mm-hmm. like, I think that's something that people don't think about with sleep and they equate weight loss and stuff purely to nutrition. Mm-hmm. But your your cravings, your chemical balance, all those things are going to be really affected by how you sleep. Sure. And I mean, the easiest one for people is like, hey, if we're underslept, then we're going to need caffeine and caffeine messes with cortisol levels and cortisol levels mess with cravings and cravings cause us to eat poorly. And it's like, you really can very quickly draw these conclusions um, and you can base it back to science. But, you know, at the end of the day, like it's that kind of same thing. Like, let's just focus on like, let's dial in as much as we can. And so I think the big thing, just like you said, is like for the wellness challenge, the big thing is going to be, let's, let's focus on our low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And we're really going to dial in one to two habits. We're going to try to give you really tactical advice mm-hmm. that is specific to you and then use group accountability and habit change stuff to really dial stuff in. So I'm for super sure. excited for it. Um, and then the last thing, although where are we at? All right. We're at like one thirty, So we're getting close uh, to, to people's toleration limit. Um, so uh, real quick on, on licensure. And this is something that we talk about a lot and something we were talking about beforehand. Oh, end with this. We are. Whew, okay. Gonna get we'll keep juice. it concise. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we talk about all the time is, um, is, you know, nutritionist versus dietitian. And so I would be a nutritionist, right? And you would be a dietitian. Um, And, you know, one of the things that we talk about all the time is, you know, we were talking a lot about common sense approaches. Mm -hmm. And so talk a little bit about just, you know, really focusing, I think, mainly on the medical, where your like additional expertise is going to fall upon, you know, somebody on Instagram or somebody pushing, you know, meal plans or other people, even just in the area that are offering nutrition programs without their RD. Mm-hmm. Man, I just in you saying that I'm hoping that if someone 
does reach out to like someone on social media for nutrition advice, I hope that they're asking about medical conditions before they get into that. That would just, for me, like sometimes uh, that's like my favorite question to ask. And I'm probably just, uh, again, conditioned that way from my clinical side of things. Right. Um, But I mean, that can very, very easily divert conversation to a completely different direction. Right. Where then we talked about like, uh, you know, talking about the intensity of competition at the top of the pyramid. Like you could be talking about um, wanting to make sure you're getting enough. Yeah. Yeah. So making that analogy, you can be wanting to talk about eating more vegetables or, you know, sometimes people come in super specific. Like I want to make sure I'm consuming enough calcium. But um you find out that their like blood pressure is out of control. They're on three medications, right? Uh, or that they're like have a huge family history of diabetes, and their A one C level is dangerously high to being uh, clinically diagnosed, right? So like to me, I'm like, dude, no, this is should be our number one focus. Right. Like, let's help get you out of a position for chronic disease. Um, we've so, had that before. I mean, we've literally sure. I've had a conversation with somebody before where. The conversation started as a, I want to be training for regionals. I want to be trying to compete in CrossFit. And we had the conversation. And then like 40 minutes into the conversation, he slips like, uh, well, you know, I'm a diabetic. And I go, you have type 2 diabetes. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, are you on any other medications? He's like, well, yeah, I take blood pressure and cholesterol medication. I go, all right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Take a couple right. steps back. Hi, I'm Jeff. Let's yeah, talk hi. Yeah, yeah. You need to go and seek out, like, you need to talk yeah. to somebody who's a professional at getting yeah. off those medications because we're reading about regionals and stuff, and you've got stuff that could kill you, that kills Tomorrow. people, right? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, that's sure, we can get there, but let's focus on what's important mm-hmm. first. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on with making sure that, like, we put the first things first. Yeah, and I think, um, again, and kind of getting back to the expertise, like I spent nearly, um, you know, the better half of a year combing through hundreds of medical records and helping patients from a, a side of what we would call in the field, medical nutrition therapy, where if we're going to talk about how new nutrition science is and, you know, there's a lot of emerging evidence and all this stuff, there is a great deal of proven evidence where nutrition can play a therapeutic role at at least mitigating symptoms or reversing like some things like diabetes and high blood pressure and hypercholesterolemia like with just nutrition and lifestyle factors which is where we play the role like you know physicians and other medical practitioners can help with that really like high level stuff but um from a involvement standpoint from a time standpoint and then just helping them uh, really tailor their diet and lifestyle to them. Like that's really where the dietitian steps in. Right. Uh, and I'll tell baby bear all the time. I'm like, I'm like a doctor backwards. Like if you take the DR and like flip the RD, I'm like, I've read a ton of medicals. Like I have some sense of what's going on with people. That's such a, I, your bad, your bad dad jokes have gotten so bad. That's so I'm bad. a backwards doctor. Um, but it's funny. Cause like, even like when there's something like remotely wrong with a family member, it's immediate text to me. Like, right. Hey, this is happening. What do you think's going on? Right. Um, which is cool. Um, but I, you know, I know my scope. Um, well, but- I put here the, the, I mean, that fits in exactly what I just wrote down is, and I think this kind of embodies your career is I think of you as sort of a first line defense to medical, right? Like that should be our, our first stop, right? If we start 
feeling bad and we go to the doctor and we say, hey, we've got these things. We're going to be on these medications. We're going to do this. I'm super thankful that my mom did that. That was this was her approach. I go to the doctor. I have this negative thing. I get put on this medication. First step, I need to go and talk to Andy. I need to get on a plan to get off of this immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, Where you got really frustrated was being the last line of defense. Like after, you know, when you were working in your clinical setting and you were working in the hospital, it was well, okay, so we've got this person, we ran all the tests, and now we've got them on all these prescriptions, and we've got them on their path, and they're still just not getting better. Now we're going to throw them to the dietitian in the basement online. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and Jenny talks about this all the time with the obesity at the, the children's obesity center mm-hmm. at uh, Children's Hospital, how it's like it, they, you almost get them to the point where they're in line for bariatric surgery at like 12 years old. And now we're going to put them in front of a dietitian yeah. only to say if they fail with the dietitian, then we'll give them bariatric surgery Yeah, as opposed to saying like, look, this should be the first thing that happens very early in life. Like, is we got to get a hold on this thing, a grasp on this thing. And, and, you know, we're going to continue to work nutritionally all the way through the medical process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just, I think it's backwards, man. I thought, and, and to speak to that comment right there, I've thought about this a lot because it's like, okay, you can find problems, but how do you seek solutions? And um, beyond it's, it's so deeply embedded in our culture here that it's just nothing that's really, it's starting to finally get taught early. Um, but the connections still aren't there that I think we need to get this information out to families, to younger kids in like elementary school, which again, it's starting to get there. But like, I almost envision it as a point where we can get to the point, if we can get to the point as a society where these people, everyone gets somewhat of an assessment and like involvement with a nutrition professional, almost like, you know, car insurance is mandatory. Like think about the billions of dollars that can save if you can just bring clarity to someone's uh, situation or what they think they know, or just like be like, Hey man, if you continue down this path, these are the three diseases we're looking at. If you just make these simple swaps and keep these general concepts in mind, like you'll live to 90 years old and probably not get a disease unless it's, you know, genetically embedded in you. But it's uh, that's what I hope for well, one day. And so Maybe we've we taken that. that right. And now every new person right. is they meet with you. Right. Every single one. And that's the approach. Like when we when we move to Lewis Center, that will be. And, and I talked with uh, Shelby and Emily, other nutrition coaches at our gym. That is what we are doing in our community. We believe in that, that that should be the approach that everybody at some point in their life, like think about how many people like, you know, I mean, I can think of I mean, shit. I can think of a thousand people who are in their 60s, 70s have never had any nutrition coaching in their entire life. I've sure. never had any guidance, never had a conversation with anybody, never even freaking thought about it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be a product of the change we want to see. Mm-hmm. Right. And if that's what we believe is right, which obviously I think like, Think about that. Like it should be obvious that that's the right answer. Like you know, it's like it's insane to me that in elementary school, middle school, high school, that that this isn't going to be taught as a part of the curriculum, Mm -hmm. right? But sure, like so, we're not going to change it. So, what is our responsibility then? Well, our responsibility is to make sure that our kids or that our next generation or whoever it is gets that education, right? We can't if we can't rely on the schools, which is fine. Let's not. There's no reason to. Let's then take that upon ourselves and make sure that you know we're doing that. 
and that was one of our big conversations with the coaching coaches the other day is uh, let's start. This needs to be a bigger part of the kids program too. This needs to be a bigger part of the teens program. If we're going to make every adult come in, mm-hmm. every adult who comes in is going to meet with a nutrition coach and have a conversation about it mm-hmm. and get some guidance. And then the next step of that is, well, the kids need to be getting it too. Absolutely. Right? And, and so, you know, again, this is a part of our bigger influences. Like we want to make sure that, you know, at the very least we look back, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now and say, look, regardless of what happened, like we gave good nutritional guidance and some base fundamental things to 10,000 people in Columbus. And huge. that's awesome. Like it, it, from zero, right. From, you know, the vast majority of those people. I mean, I just, you know, you think right now, it's like, I just think about like, you know, my dad, my brother, like all these people, all my cousins, I'm in, you know, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, all these things, just nothing. They get nothing. Right. Right. And they're not going to have anything unless they decide at this point to come, you know, into our facility. And that's like, so then, you know, it's like, so, but if we can get some school administrators and we can get maybe some, um, you know, people who own companies to do what Diamond Hills came in, now they're going to bring us into their company and say, Hey, we're going to have this conversation with 50 of our employees, right? Okay, cool. Now we've reached more people and like you can start to have that, that bigger impact. So that's what I get super juiced about. I know you do too. Yeah. But just like you said, I mean, it's, that's, that's the hard part is how do you start that approach? Maybe we'll have uh, someone in our network and know someone on like a local news channel. And then they'll just be like little blips of me, like throughout the day on TVs and like pop up on pod on, uh, uh, iPads and all yeah. that stuff and it's just me like holding some vegetables or well stuff. yeah I was gonna say that's the <laughs> thing is like it's it's so challenging because you know the the hard part is is it is what we're doing it's it's meeting on an individual basis with almost everybody yeah and hearing their stories and hearing their life situations and understanding what their struggles are and understanding what their medical problems are and what their lifestyles like and it's such a like you know people are on TV and there is it's not a lack of available information I mean I'm sure you could point me to five websites right now that have an abundance of fantastic information as it pertains to nutrition. But at the end of the day, it goes back to the stuff we talked about first, right? It goes back to accountability, goes back to your mental state, goes back to yourself, you know, goals and desires. The global information stuff is really not, I don't think the issue. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, have you sat down and had a conversation with somebody who can make a change in your life. I think it's true with everything. I mean, I think it's true with nutrition. I think it's true with exercise. I think it's true with financial health. It's like, you know, you think about how many people live paycheck to paycheck and they're in their 30s, 40s. And it's like, have you ever sat down and just like, you know, you say one of the most beneficial things that you're thankful for is you and Kristen, before you got married, sat down and and you went through a financial course together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so you were able to sit down and get coaching on some of this stuff. Right. And I think those are the things that, um, you know, it's like, but that's sort of what it takes is, you know, is let's sit down and just have some conversations about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't think just the blanket information being out there. I mean, that's not the problem. You yeah. Know, it's the, it's the accountability. It's the, the mental health of stuff. So, well, let's just keep changing lives one person at a time. Hey, and see what we can goal. do. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Andrew. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if you guys ever need help with nutrition, obviously, um, you know, I always tell people now it's like I trust Andy with my mom, um, who's like the most important uh, person in my life. And uh, and so if if I you know trust him with my mom, obviously, like, um, you yeah, know, that's kind of the biggest um 
I guess, belief that I can, can give in somebody for that. So, so I always think that's, that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, find what you need and then find the person who can help you with that. And, um, you know, definitely if Andy's not the person for you, then he can point you in the direction of somebody who will be. So appreciate you guys' time. If you guys made it all the way, we'll have a couple people who make it all the way. Yeah. We always do. And then tell us Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Yeah. And just hit hit us with a Sheboygan (laughs) if you made it to this part. Yep. I love it. All right. Thanks, guys. See you guys.